calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we are talking about U.S. Diplomats 101. So grab your special envoy. And let's get civical. You started off this time. Okay, great. Just let's see what comes out. It's gonna be a hot mess. It's not a hot mess. Okay. All Do you right, want me to listen. count you down? No. Five. Oh my god. Four. There's so much pressure. Three. Two. Hey everybody. Hi guys. What's going on? What is going on? How are you today, Lizzie? Me? I'm a mess. I look <laughs> like I haven't showered in three days. When in fact, I showered last night. <laughs> It's a profound look I'm rocking. I woke up and I was like, how do I already look three days dirty? (laughs) Simply from sleep. Simply from sleep. How are you? I am good. I also feel that way, but I worked out this morning, so I feel like I have an excuse. Humble brag. I feel like I have an excuse. It is a microaggression and a stress on our relationship that you always come to recording after working out when I haven't worked out since my birth, you know, which was in itself you, a workout. You could come work out with me. I know. I, I know. You, you did give me passes. You did, and I'm going to I'm going to use them. I'm going right. to use them. I can't go with you because uh, Arden, if I work out with you, I'm going to feel like I'm the weakest link. <laughs> Goodbye. But guys, this weirdly is not a podcast about the show The Weakest Link. This no. is Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I'm Arden Walentowski. And we have an amazing guest today. An amazing guest today. 
Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. you're so you're welcome. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest today is Katie Kampa. She is a stand-up comedian. Her album, Hard Pass, came out last month. Friday the 13th. Friday, Friday the 13th. The 13th. September. Of September, you. year of our Lord, 2019. Yeah. <laughs> Nominus Patri. Oh, my God. Is that Latin? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Oh my God, this is what working out does to you. I gotta go. Yeah, sorry, Katie. We didn't, did we not mention we do Latin Latin now? (laughs) Our listeners are like, what? (laughs) We are not the show that does Latin. That's not our brand. I don't even know if you could do a show in Latin. Of course you could. Could you do a show? It's not a spoken language anymore, is it? Like, could you construct conversations? I I bet you there is one. I bet you there is one. There probably is. Aren't there like Catholic services in Latin? Am I making this up? There there are Catholic services in Latin. Which I'm like, okay, why are you doing... This is this is my problem with Catholicism. This is the only thing I have a problem okay. with. Can you believe we're going in? I, Guys, this is not a podcast about Catholicism, although we do talk about it a lot. But like you do a service in Latin, a dead-ass language, as though the people of like, you know, Milwaukee speak Latin. <laughs> they well, used to do, do it only in Latin, and that was why. I know, yeah, so but I'm like, but now, guys... That's why you have the bells. The bells? The bell, the consecration bell. So, like when the priest uh, consecrates the the Eucharist and the wine and stuff, and he bless, does the blessings, one of the altar servers has bells so that they ring it, so that the people in the in the congregation would, would know that oh. it was now the body and blood of Christ. Like that's why you would ring the bell. But they couldn't see that he was like chilling with the bread. No, because it was, it was Latin. Latin, so they would fall They could asleep. see what he was doing, but yeah. I was like, oh, I didn't know. I don't have Can a we cue. eat yet? Yeah. <laughs> like, I love a cue. hungry. I love a cue. Yeah. But we're not talking about Catholicism, no. just like we're not talking about the weakest link. Today, we're talking about, we're doing Diplomats 101. Yeah. Which I love. I'm so glad I myself that, feel like a diplomat. <laughs> Can you imagine if I was like, Arden, I actually hate this episode idea. <laughs> Can we just cut it and do something else on the fly? On the fly. I'm glad you like it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Katie, what did you do in preparation? Have you I ever- watched a few Khan Academy things. One Love. was with, it was like a talk with Madeline Albright and then cool. uh, Tara Sonnenschein who did, I can't remember what her title is, but yeah. she also, it was like an Aspen Institute. They were both Aspen Institute talks. Just just like very, very general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, I mean, that's, that's, so that's the awesome. whole thing. Because we hear, we know about diplomats. We hear mm-hmm. about diplomats. But I actually like have never stopped to think like, wait, how do they... What do they actually do? What I just do feel like we only do? hear about them when they're like acting up and lashing out. Right. Or doing something shady. And it's like a diplomat was arrested or a diplomat killed somebody. You know, it's like <laughs> that sort of. And they can't be prosecuted because they're a diplomat. They're, they're a diplomat. diplomat. Diplomatic immunity. That's definitely the first it. thing I knew about diplomats was the license plates. They can park anywhere and yeah. they can't be prosecuted and for crimes. Can... Yeah. Uh, yeah. It reminds me of that scene in The Princess Diaries where they have the flags on the limo. So oh, yeah. And he can park anywhere. I don't know. That, not that that has anything to do with it. But fun fact. Uh, the, watch The Princess Diaries. <laughs> So let's jump right in and talk about what a diplomat does. What do they do? So first off, they carry out foreign policy of the United States. Wow. Can you imagine? So broad. So broad, so general. Um, They support Americans living or traveling internationally for positive events. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Yes. As opposed to negative events. This is the wording of this. Yes. This is directly from the State Department. Can you imagine? They say positive events. For positive events. <laughs> Such as, what's a positive events? Registering a birth of a child. <laughs> and they, oh, and in times of stress... Such as assisting a jailed American citizen or helping to evacuate Americans from danger, which I appreciate. I feel like I'm I would rather know that you're there in times of stress as opposed to just being there to like help register my child, you know? Right, right, right. Like that is the whole point. <laughs> they ensure a level playing field for American business overseas. 
they oversee it. Sure. <laughs> that was a cheap shot. That sounds accurate. That was a cheap shot. They support joint counterterrorism cooperation and criminal investigations. Doing well. They decide who has a legitimate reason to travel to the United States and issue visas accordingly. Okay, that's important. They work to ensure the safety and security of international flights to the United States. I do appreciate this as somebody who does. I'm a very anxious flyer. We've talked about this before. Yes. I don't fly well. I don't enjoy planes. I feel as though we are defying the laws uh-huh. of the universe You're by right. putting ourselves in the sky. Yeah, in a tin can. You're right. <laughs> but that's what diplomats do. Yeah. They, uh, they're they dealing with the safety and security of international flights. Mm-hmm. And for that, I thank them. Uh, they also fight pandemics. <laughs> They have a lot of jobs. And I know, I know. A lot of hats. They're very broad. They fight pandemics and deliver humanitarian aid to those in need. Okay. They assist governments to respond better to their citizens' needs, making countries more stable and secure. That feels a little bit like we're meddling, but okay. (laughs) They link emerging leaders in government and civil society to American counterparts to foster relationship building and collaboration. Again, it feels like we're meddling. Okay, great. They provoke interest in foreign students in pursuing U.S. higher education. Yeah. My I got to ask my like European college classmates if they were recruited by an ambassador. <laughs> that seems they I don't know. Again, yeah, like, outside the like? purview of of a, a diplomat. A diplomat. It's like, hey, you maybe guys it's maybe it's like PhDs. They want those students who are like tops in whatever. Yeah, I think that's true. School. I think it's probably it's not also like the ambassadors who are doing that. It's probably like lower level mm-hmm. people who are like setting up a booth like a Chase right. Bank at a European university who are right. being like, come to the United yeah. States and get this bring credit card. intelligence. Yes, <laughs> yeah. to get this credit card. Also a visa. <laughs> yeah. So very broad strokes for U.S. diplomats. I know. They're very, very busy bees. They're very busy bees. That's what the Department of State says that they all do. And we, right. look, our, we trust our friends at the Department of State. We trust them. We trust them. I trust them with my life. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about, like, just do a basic, like, where did we get our foreign service? Where's it from? Diplomat situation. Where does it come from? Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin. <laughs> Excellent. Honestly, great in the South. I did the homework. <laughs> <laughs> so the Constitution, this is all from... Parts of this is from are from NPR, this interview with the former ambassador that they did and from the the Canadian US Embassy. Bless. Thank you, the Canadian <laughs> US Embassy. Just over there doing the work. Doing the work, telling us what you're doing. The Constitution provides for a foreign service to be developed, but one didn't exist really until like the mid 1800s. So there was like some <laughs> informal stuff before that. Just Ben Franklin sleeping around. Yeah. Thomas being Jefferson. Like, you guys want to like, do this? <laughs> Thomas Jefferson going over there being like, you want a bone and also like give us aid? You know? <laughs> I've been listening to Hamilton. So I'm like, uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. That's yep. exactly what happened. 100%. 100% accurate. <laughs> and until 1924, the Foreign Service, I mean, it still kind of is this way, but it was like the 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 patronage program of the federal government. And it was basically only people who were in the upper class. What? I know. That's so unlike In us. America? Shock. That does okay. not okay, sound Arden. like U.S.T.A. <laughs> U.S.gov? No. 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 No, no, no. And part of it had to do with the wages. Like, these positions weren't paid very much. And so then, and then, like, who could afford to do them? If like you, publishing. Right. Like publishing. Um <laughs> I would say, yes, the diplomatic system is quite like publishing. (laughs) Ever published a book? No. (laughs) 
Only for rich people. Only for rich people. And so then in 1924, they passed the Rogers Act, which provided reasonable wages and democratized the process of entering the Foreign Service. And so now it's a little bit more equitable. So then, like, your basic structure, like, is the U.S. Countries that the U.S. has diplomatic relations with, they have an embassy. And it's usually located in the the host country's capital. And then around the country, if it's depending on how big the country is, they have consulates that are in other major cities. So like the capital is the embassy and then the consulates are the other cities in that country. And the countries that we have diplomatic relations with, they'll have like official like ambassadors and stuff. And then if we don't have full diplomatic relations with them, they, we, there's like a U.S. liaison office or some kind of like special interests office. And then that's headed by a principal officer instead of an ambassador. So like they do basically the same stuff, except that one is official and one's not official because we don't have full relations with them. Mm. I got it. I got it. Semicoitus. Semicoitus. Yeah. It's literally we just do like, you know, everything but sex, you know? Right. <laughs> you know, it's just like everything, everything but, but penetration. <laughs> Is this? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sure Hillary Clinton today. would agree. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying. Uh, Look. Okay, well, let's talk about how one becomes a diplomat. Yes. This is what this, I'm interested to I, know. This is. I'm glad that this is your section. Oh, thank you for saying that. I'm I can't so wait bad. to find out why. <laughs> <laughs> so requirements are: you have to be an American citizen between the ages of 20 and 59. Okay, let's start off the bat. First and foremost, a 20-year-old? <laughs> Ever met one? That's insane. That's insane. Guys, bump up the age. Also, the fact that there's a cap at 59? I wonder how that got done. How that well, was, when, when was that decided? Oh, who knows? Who knows? Back in the day. I feel, in Hanisha. Well, when 20 was considered like a grown adult. Exactly okay. right. Yeah. And 59 was like, oh my God, how did you make An 1,820-year-old had lived a life. A full life. They've been had three university. kids already. Yeah. Yes. Survived a duel. Yeah. Best, Best case. case scenario. I feel like the 59 thing comes from, I mean, it's an odd number. It's a very, it's truly an odd number. Truly. A, but it's truly also a mysterious number. Do they make you retire at 59? Or I, that's no. I just don't think okay. you can be qualified. Because this is you we're probably can't get it again right because we're talking about foreign service officers which is like your kind of basic entry level or, or like basic diplomatic position yeah that i there's a cap my guess is there's a cap because they don't want to invest money into somebody who they're only going to get like 10 years out of sure you know sure. like why would you if you come in at 59 the most time you could spend is like 10, 15 years maybe. And then you're like, I got to get a new hip. I'm done. I don't want to be a foreign service officer anymore. Right. Very interesting. That's my guess. Is Very interesting. Okay. 59, really odd. Also for foreign service officers. I should have said that at the top. This is for foreign service officers. Yeah. Although there is no educational requirement for being a foreign service officer, the vast majority of applicants hold a bachelor's degree or higher, often in English, foreign language, government, geography, international history, economics, public speaking, and commerce. Weirdly enough, not a BFA. <laughs> so I am shit out of luck. I meet the age, but not the education. I went to Georgetown and we had a whole, I mean, I still have a whole foreign service school. Oh, and really? That's, yeah. That's crazy. Of course, that is it's like, like I took classes with them, but not, you know, once we got into Are like you our a Huh? No, certainly not. I have no tact. Uh, (laughs) I would be terrible at it. (laughs) 
Can you imagine? I said something to my mom once. I was like, I don't know if, if comedy, if I quit comedy, maybe I'll run for office. And she was like, I know <laughs> you have to, <laughs> I was Funny. like, what? She's like, you have to kiss a lot of ass and you are really not good at that. Yeah. I was like, well, okay. You could just be a dick. Like <laughs> yeah. look at Chris Christie. That man kissed nobody's ass. He's but I'm a woman. They would never, asshole. they would never take that from a woman. Applicants must, pa- this is for foreign service officers. They must pass the competitive Foreign Service written exam. <laughs> oh my God. Offered once a year in most major cities and at embassies and consulates abroad. Those who pass the written exam take an all day oral assessment. What? I this know. is crazy. I know. If they pass and participate in a comprehensive physical exam, a rigorous background security check leading to a top secret clearance. And a final review of the candidate's entire file to ensure his or hers suitability for the especially stressful and unusual conditions of a foreign service career. This is why they need 20-year-olds. Yeah. yeah. That is (laughs) the ones who can physically handle it. That's a lot. It's a lot. They have to do a lot in order to become a foreign service oh officer. Oh, well, good. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm like, finally, some qualifications. Yeah. <laughs> Individuals who pass all tests are given a ranking and put on a list of eligible candidates for future posting. Speaking a foreign language fluently gives you a higher ranking. I mean, well, sure. Yeah. Like, obviously. <laughs> if you yeah. speak Mandarin, they're going to be like, you to the, the line. <laughs> hey, hey, up here. You're up going up here. to uh, France. Actually, you're already on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> As positions become available, candidates are offered entry into a new class. Oh, oh, it's like the FBI. Oh. I'm reading today. Do they go to like training camp? <laughs> they go. They kind of. Yeah. So like, go ahead. Yeah. Others begin in the field and learn and are trained on the fly. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine being the one who has to like learn in like Jordan, you know, like. But I feel like if if you're going to Jordan, you're probably one of those people who speak Jordanians or something, you know, like you're probably speaking the language of the country that you're going to. Yeah. yeah Meanwhile, sure. the people who like have no skills, they're like, you can go to DC. You yeah. can go to DC and you and, can and work learn a desk skill, job. Yeah. For sure. For sure. If you are listed on the register of eligible candidates and no position opens up within 18 months, you will have to begin the procedure again. Oh my God. You have to go through no. it all. All names are removed from the list at that point. Oh no. I mean, I kind of love refl- refreshing the list. Yeah. Keep it update, keep it current, keep everybody, you know. I yeah. want a lot can happen in 18 months. Yeah. Physically, mentally. Sure. Yeah. Maybe you learned that new language. Maybe you learned it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know your life. I support it. <laughs> yeah. Great. That's so that's the foreign service. It's rigorous. It's, it's really very rigorous. rigorous. Yeah. Bless their hearts. I hope yeah. they're yeah. I hope they're okay. <laughs> so then we're gonna talk about the different types of like because diplomat is a catch-all word for the people who like work in diplomacy. It doesn't just mean the ambassadors. So we'll go through like the different positions. An envoy. You say envoy? Yeah. I say envoy. Is that crazy? <laughs> Why are you looking at me like I have four heads? Because Does nobody never... say envoy? envoy. Is that envoy. It's envoy. It's envoy. Oh my god. US always... envoy Kurt Volker? US envoy Kurt Volker. US envoy? Envoy. envoy. <laughs> oh my god. Hey guys, I'm gonna flip the table. <laughs> I've always said envoy. It's still envelope. It's <laughs> <laughs> totally fair. It is still so yeah. If it's envelope, it's envoy. Well, envoy. Envoy, envoy. is French though. It's, yeah. Okay. Well, this is America. <laughs> <laughs> I've always said. Envoy. I, I really. I mean, in the grand scheme of mispronouncing things, envoy is not. It doesn't even it's, register. It's not. It's not a big deal. But it is shocking to me. Envoy. 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 <laughs> no, I'm gonna say 
envoy. And I'm sorry. That's your Texas. That's my Texas envoy. I don't know. Envoy. Guys, that guys, US we're gonna envoy. Do, we're going to do a poll on our, on our uh, either Twitter or Instagram. If you say envoy or envoy, <laughs> and, and that'll decide if Arden and I still are friends. <laughs> Okay, okay, so sorry, not to interrupt. You keep talking. No, it's all good. (laughs) So we've talked about how you become a foreign service officer. Envoys and ambassadors, ambassadors have to be, they're appointed by the president and then approved by the Senate. It's kind of the same for envoys, but not all of them need Senate approval. Some special envoys do, but basically they can be appointed either like by a department, by the department head or by somebody in the, you know, like they can move up the ranks and become an envoy. Or if they have like a specialty in something, they can be appointed. And then ambassadors, as we all know, and this comes from Adam Taylor at WAPO, they are appointed by the president and approved by the Senate. Over the past couple decades, 30% of ambassadors have been like political nominees. What? Um, That's so, that's so unlike us. (laughs) (laughs) So strange. So weird. (laughs) According to the American Foreign Service Association, the other 70% were career diplomats who worked their way up through the Foreign Service. So like, that makes sense. Most of them were tried and true, qualified Foreign Service people. We love. Love. Some political appointees are chosen because of their suitability so they have an expertise or what or experience in whatever it is they're doing but there is to quote adam taylor a long-standing tradition of awarding ambassadorships to campaign donors or bundlers close quote bundlers yeah love that i want to be a bundler <laughs> i am a bundler you, are you <laughs> no i don't know what sorry that is. we meant to say that in your intro <laughs> on the stand-up comic and bundler, bundler. <laughs> yeah so one clear very famous example of this is when president nixon told his white house chief of staff in 1971 in the nixon tapes that came out later they had him on on tape saying that quote anybody who wants to be an ambassador must give at least two hundred and fifty thousand dollars close close quote Nixon. so just straight up selling ambassadorships <laughs> what a little slimy duck <laughs> really I just like damn it Nick stop really talking about this it. stuff <laughs> <laughs> write it Nick. down <laughs> pass a note <laughs> we people are dumb this, Nick. yeah hubris you know Hub- hubris. hubris yeah. Sweet next really male. Lot of hubris. lot of hubris. Oh, I mean, it ha- well, hubris sure. has a gender. <laughs> <laughs> hubris has a gender. Political appointees, according this is still from WAPO, political appointees tend to be sent to more comfortable postings. Oh, Perry. That's weird. I know. So funny. Hmm. Western or Northern Europe uh, or the Caribbean. Look, uh, I would they're be considering happy a there. comfortable. Listen, <laughs> their son. There's probably a Mai Tai. White people who live in the Caribbean. Oh, a brand, <laughs> a brand of human who just what? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> House Hunters International, when they go to like, oh, my God, yes. Like island places. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, they're what embarrassing us. Is what I know. Doing. <laughs> Not diplomats. <laughs> Not diplomats. No. Threats. Career diplomats, on the other hand, so the 70 percent who are like rising through the ranks, they end up in more obscure places. Yeah. Oh, really, it still pays to know somebody. It always pays to know. Pays a lot of them knows. do want that, like that hard assignment, though. Yeah, the yeah, twenty-year-olds yeah. are like, "Yes, I'm going to yes. make something of myself in yeah. Niger or wherever I'm going." Let's you know, it's go. Like, Send me to Iran. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. World peace. It's <laughs> 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 me. It's going to be happening me. now. <laughs> and then the State Department has its own process for evaluating career diplomats for ambassadorship. So there's like. 
they have to be appointed and then confirmed by the Senate. But some, you know, there's like your political appointees and then the State Department can be like, this person's been doing quite well. And, you know, let's pick an easier. Is there a term limit or is there a length of an assignment? N- there's not a hard one, but generally they turn over with administrations. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. All of them? Not, no, not all of them. Okay. I assume ones that have been appointed for political gain. Yeah, like the political appointees. Yeah, but the career ones. I think that's why it's so shocking when you start seeing why they make such a big distinction in the news about career service people leaving. Mm -hmm. It's because they're giving up their entire career because they're like, I don't agree. Yeah. And there's like, there's stuff I can disagree with, but this is so egregious that Mm -hmm. I can't abide and I'm leaving my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so before we get into what is a diplomat, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Climate 2020 is a new podcast that makes climate change the top issue of the 2020 presidential election. Listen as researchers, activists, and journalists like MSNBC's Chris Hayes, explain where your favorite candidate stands on climate and which proposals make the most sense. Hear thought-provoking conversations about how we can solve our world's greatest crisis. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and learn more at climate2020podcast.com. Arden. Lizzie. Do you know a product I love so much that I truly can't stop talking about? What? Lola. Lola? Lola is a female-founded company offering organic cotton tampons, pads, and all-natural cleansing wipes. In addition to that, they also now offer condoms and personal lubricant. Can you believe it? And because Lola makes your month a little bit easier, their subscription is fully customizable, so you can choose if you want this many tampons, this many wipes, this many condoms, this much lubricant, so you can have everything you need to fulfill your dreams and your destiny all in one box. It's like all of the vagina things in one box. Thank you. Literally, the amount of times I've been at the store and I'm like, okay, great. I have to get tampons. I have to get pads. I have to get con. And, and you have like just a basket full of things and not you don't know what's in any of it. And it's all very expensive. And it's just the worst. It's the worst feeling because it's you're, you're not from the same brand. You don't know where they're all coming from. But Lola, everything is organic. You know exactly what's going into your body. And everything is gynecologist approved and hypoallergenic. And you can do good with your purchase. For all the condoms and lubricant and tampons that you purchase, Lola will donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the United States. So what you can do for 30% off your first month subscription, you can visit mylola.com and enter civical30, that's C-I-V-I-C-A-L, Three zero, when you subscribe. And once again, that is Civical 30. So go to mylola.com, get the things that you deserve, and be happy you did. Welcome back. We are going to skip right back into our diplomatic episode with what is a diplomat? I love I love just like the basics. They make me really happy. So there are there are different levels of diplomats. Can you believe? The first one is ambassadors, which we've talked about a little bit already. 
An ambassador is the president's highest ranking representative to a specific nation or international organization abroad. A key role of an ambassador is to coordinate the activities not only of the foreign service officers and staff serving under them, but also representatives of other U.S. agencies across the com- country. So they're like the they're like the head of the. Yeah, they called a em- mission. They called it what? They called a mission. A mission. I yeah. love. They're ahead of the mission. Like our mission in China. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They are. Oh, and uh, the next. They're <laughs> not great. the greatest connotations, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. They're also called a minister. Oh no, this Ooh. is French. Don't let me say it. Okay. <laughs> Charge de fairies. Not even close. in charge of okay, fairies. Wait, stop. Let me try again. <laughs> Char- <laughs> Charge de fairies. <laughs> It is quite shocking how bad. Okay, well, what is it? What I'm I'm doing it phonetically. What is it? Charge d'affaires. Charge d'affaires. I mean, I was supposed English. to guess somebody that. who does business. Charge yeah. Charge d'affaires. Charge Chacha. Okay, so I hate when French pops up. It's so I'm so bad at it. I am profoundly bad at a French. I think accent. a lot of there's a lot of like French language stuff in diplomacy, isn't yeah. there? No, yeah, because we're like France is doing it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> they're doing well, it great. And also, we like our first because we were fighting with England. Our first real oh, allies yeah, yeah. were France. Yeah, so or was France. So it's that's our laissez-faire. That's from like that's Jeffersonian, right? Yeah, like mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's also called that. I'm not going to say it again. Um, but officially, as Arden said, they are called the chief of mission. Ambassadors also direct and coordinate all executive branch offices and personnel, except for those under command of a U.S. area, a U.S. area military commander, and other chief of missions or on staff of an international organization. So they do everything unless it's under. There's a guy who's in the military who's. Yeah, unless they're <laughs> unless the people you're talking about are military people, people who are like on a different diplomatic mission, or people who work for an international organization. Yeah, so like some you know NGO, like they wouldn't order around like you know Greenpeace. <laughs> Can you imagine? Hey, <laughs> Greenie over there. <laughs> Ambassadors take direct responsibility for the security of the mission. That's very stressful. Yep. And they are also in charge with cooperating with the U.S. legislative and judicial branch so that U.S. foreign policy goals are advanced. Sure. Yep. Sure. We're yep. always trying to make it better for you. S. Right. That's, they get those emails. How is the mission going? How's the mission going? Well, honestly, I'd say six out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds accurate to me. So those are ambassadors. The next type of diplomat, which we are still fighting about, are... Envoys <laughs> or envoys, they're they are an ambassador to any given country, but there might be a special envoy for an issue or for a region or to try to bring an end to a war, so they can be sent out for like very specialty things. Yes, you know they 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 specialize in ending wars. <laughs> the Foreign Affairs Manual, love that there's a manual, yeah. defines a special. Envoy as one designated for a particular purpose, such as the conduct of special negotiations and attendance at coronations, <laughs> inaugurations, or other state ceremonies of special importance. I want to go royal to- wedding. I want yes. to <laughs> go. I want to be sent. They're not going to send me. <laughs> if I ever become president, you can be my envoy. Hey, can I call myself envoy? <laughs> 
<laughs> You'll have to legally change your name to Envoy. Because I'm Envoy. Be Envoy, Envoy. <laughs> yes. There are envoys that work within the State Department, and then there are presidential envoys that are housed within the Department of State, but served a presidential interest. Let's see, for example. There Golf. is a special presidential envoy for ho- hostage affairs. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I love that we we have so many. We just had such a hostage problem that we're like, all right, let's just create a special one that's only for hostages. <laughs> we always have one on deck. <laughs> do you think there's one for pirates? I fucking hope I have, so. Yeah, I do think so. Special think envoy so? to yeah. piracy? Fuck. That'd be amazing. I want to do that. That sounds awesome. I would be so bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> they give them the ships. Yeah. Give them the gold, please. They call me Yo Ho Yo Ho. <laughs> oh man. Oh god. Okay. Okay. So the special presidential envoy for hostage affairs was created in 2015, and it re- reports to the Secretary of State. Makes sense. Yeah. There's a debate over whether envoys are necessary or if there are too many of them. I don't know. Can there be? I don't know. I kind of feel like. I the think, more the merrier. You know, it's like we, there, there's a lot of countries out there. There's a lot of countries. I think the debate is like, at what point do you have too many people trying to do kind of the same work? Sure. You know? Yeah. And if you. Yeah. And how many people are you really meeting with in certain countries? Like, right. yeah. I don't think we need a ton of people in Russia right now. <laughs> like, and I'm a little worried about the ones that are there. So. Right. right. Yeah, right. for sure. <laughs> okay. Special temporary Diplomatic appointments originated during the presidency of George Washington. Love him. And the number of special representatives has expanded and contracted since then. Yeah. George. (laughs) George was literally like, Ben, you have sex the best. Off you go. (laughs) Go spread that gonorrhea around. (laughs) Give it all to France. Go, my son. Okay. It's hard to tell how many special envoys there have been because some smaller positions are no longer used and some were never officially eliminated. That is literally the most United States thing I've ever heard. Yeah. It's like some we've got, we just forgot to say, uh, oh, this is no longer a position anymore. Yeah. We just forgot to get rid of them. So are they unfilled or there's people that are just like kind of sponging off the. There are vacant. There are a lot of vacant. A lot of vacancies. Yeah. The last type of not the last type, but the last type I'm going to talk about of diplomats are special representatives. Sounds like that sounds like a name you give to like, I don't want us to be I can't I don't want to call you my girlfriend, but I'll call you my special representative. (laughs) I prefer that, actually. I love that so much. (laughs) My special person. So special representatives. The president can appoint special representatives with the advice and consent of the Senate for, quote, Arms control, non pro. Oh God. Okay, wait. You got it. Non proliferation and disarmament matters. Great. Yeah. Love. Yeah. All important functions. All important. Yeah. Uh, let's get a special representative in there. <laughs> this law further <laughs> stipulates that quote each presidential special representative shall hold the rank of ambassador. For example, the special representative for the Arctic. Tick region. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Which was created in 2014. That's a punishment. It's <laughs> who fucked up. <laughs> I know. It is now vacant and was one of the positions the Trump administration proposed cutting. Stop okay. drilling in the Arctic. Yep. I say, as special representative Lizzie Stewart, <laughs> proclamation for you to come out. I know. Drilling in the, I'm shocked. I know. Look, I'm acting up and lashing out. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Amazing. There are also advisors, senior advisors, special advisors, and coordinators that all work on different issues or in different geographical regions. For example, there's a lead coordinator for the Iran nuclear implementations mm, position created necessary. in 2015. Is currently Stephen Mull. Glad there's somebody in this position who was <laughs> appointed in 2015. Special advisor for conflict diamonds. Sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a cute little euphemism. Yeah. Aren't there like some countries that dig for diamonds, but it's like an inhumane process? Yeah, I think. Oh, maybe. It's more about that. Yeah, it's about the inhumane like search for diamonds. But there is also conflict in the region. And I think that has a lot to do with how how this pipeline of diamonds works. I've only seen Blood Diamond with Leonardo DiCaprio. You know what's so funny is I'm pulling this out of my asshole also because I saw Blood Diamond (laughs) with Leonardo DiCaprio. And I was like, wait. Which, by the way, not a good movie. Soon was like being a really bad person and like figuring out, you know, so yeah. Interesting. I had not seen Blood Diamond, so this analysis makes sense. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Guys, we have to use the resources that we have. And sometimes those resources are Leonardo DiCaprio. Are Leonardo DiCaprio. Doing a South African accent. Yes, thank God. Oh, how was that? Not, not good. No, no, of course movie, not. It was, it was a bad movie. I don't even remember like more than what I've said, but right. it was bad. So the good news is there is a special advisor for Conflict Diamonds. Obviously, they probably have watched Blood Diamond, the film. Yep. It was created in 2001, this position, and is currently vacant. And I feel like, okay. Okay. And then Foreign Service Officers, here is some things that they do. So like we said, it's an entry-level position. The Department of State looks for motivate quote motivated individuals yes. with sound judgment and leadership mm-hmm. abilities who oh. can retain their composure in times of great stress. I feel like you'd be great. Liz. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I just keep thinking of the Iranian hostage crisis. Like that's the, that's the type of great stress they're yeah. talking about. Would I be great in that situation? I don't know. I don't know. I really could go 50-50. Listen, you handled me. After boot camp and after your day-long exam and, you know, oral evaluation, physical, physical, yeah. Yeah. I could could deal with the Iranian hostage crisis. You also handled me so well when we were in D.C. last week. I did. Uh, An Iranian hostage crisis. (laughs) When Arden is hungry and her blood (laughs) sugar level is low, it is the Iranian hostage crisis. I am Jimmy Carter and we are trying to figure it out. (laughs) And she's not wrong. (laughs) Because I turn into an utter bitch. It's, no, you just, your blood sugar's low. I get low. really, I get low blood sugar and I'm like, I simply must eat a walrus. I need something Look. to devour. <laughs> Otherwise, my head is going and to And I, Jimmy Carter, will just build a house around you. And we'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Dire situations. And then they say, like a military coup or major environmental disaster. Yeah. I love that they they think that they can look at somebody and be like, you seem like you could handle a hurricane. Yeah. Like that is what the tsunami. <laughs> you got it. You did great in the meeting on Friday. Next assignment, hurricane. Hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> the next one that comes up, she's yours. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Foreign service officers must be dedicated to public service. Okay. What do they want? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> How do you so check much. that? They want nerds. They want they nerds. nerds. They want people who ran for like sixth grade class president. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, bless nerds. Katie's not wrong. Bless nerds. I'm not like we should have less. We, we love nerds. We need more nerds. Yeah. We're literally doing a podcast and we're talking about diplomats right yeah. now. Yeah. And we're, we're like, wow, those nerds. fucking nerds. Yeah. <laughs> Losers. I we're know. big nerds. <laughs> there are five different types of foreign service officers. There's an economic officer or econ officer. Oh, no. They work with. But <laughs> <laughs> you loved a good nickname. I Econ? <laughs> For economic, I know it's a little long. That's knows. like what's it's the, literally just the first four letters <laughs> of economics. What they what, call the major? 
too. Yeah, econ. Uh, economic officers work with foreign governments to secure internet freedom. Love. Fund scientific advances. Protect the environment or negotiate new trade laws. They've okay. got a lot to do. That's, yeah, that's several different. How are they doing things? That? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't think it's going well. <laughs> I hope they're just like chilling. Where are my economic officers? Yeah, hey, the world econ, is on fire. Econ team, what's up? What's up? What are you? What's your where, where are you guys? Right. Yeah. How is it going with the internet freedom in China? Yeah. How's it going Good. with the environment? <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> Are we crushing it? <laughs> you got a memo or yeah, you PowerPoint a slides email. or a brainstorm meeting, you know. <laughs> brainstorm oh. meeting. Let's circle back. No. <laughs> then there's management officers. They are, knock no. me up. They are, stealing Lizzie's phrases, they are action-oriented go-to. <laughs> oh. Yeah, action-oriented <laughs> go-to leaders responsible for all embassy, consulate, or diplomatic mission operations from real estate to people to budget. <laughs> okay, guys, are we going to make some sales today? Let's go. I want to see those numbers. Oh, my God. The best part is that this is all from the official Department of State website. Of course it is. They don't get how funny they are. <laughs> They're writing good content. Action-oriented go-to leaders. <laughs> are you an action-oriented go-to leader? Come on, well, bro. We have a job for you. Come to the management officers of the... <laughs> I just realized I was like, I had a lisp. <laughs> Seal Team Econ. Seal Team Econ. Oh, oh man. Oh, my God. That's definitely their kickball name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now we have to join a league. Fuck. Fuck. I'll play kickball in the summer. That's fine. There are political officers. They keep the ambassador up to date on political events and changes occurring in the country. I would like this job. Uh -huh. Okay. I think you'd be great. Or you're like walking with a clipboard and yeah. you're like, yes, you're okay. Like, this is All right, Ambassador, happened. here's yeah. the daily briefing sheet for yeah. today. This, and I then you have a two o'clock with Madeline Albright. <laughs> like, uh -huh. I would love that job. Yeah. It's great. literally just briefing books. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, done. Apply. It's research. Just go to the website. I could you. I would probably be a kick ass foreign service officer. Right. I think you would be I too. I would be. If I was placed in the right country. The only country you would want to go to is France. I don't know why we're <laughs> arguing. That's what she said. Yeah. I just basically, I want like a paid job in France. So yeah. I don't have yeah. to like prove that I can support myself for right. X amount of time. There's the public diplomacy officers. Mm. They build mutual understanding and support for U.S. policies by reaching directly to publics in foreign countries. Uh, so the people who live there. Working with them in traditional and social media. Websites. <laughs> educational and cultural and sports programs hey. or playing basketball for fun and all manner of people to people exchange. So okay. they're, they're basically sex. sex. <laughs> ben Franklin. Knock, knock. Where are you? The original ambassador. Hey, spread those legs. <laughs> Right, we're objective. That was subtle. Dead. We went really. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is my favorite thing. The my favorite narrative I've created on this show is that Ben Franklin was a stallion. Look at that face. You mean to tell me he got to where he got to without being good in the sack? Get he, out of my face. I am sure he made it a point to get good in the sack. I know. Yeah. It's all he had. Yeah. That's all he has. No hair. He has no, no, but it's also long at the same time. <laughs> Original bald ponytail. Yeah. He is both bald and has shoulder Such length a hair. <laughs> it's shocking. It's, it's shocking. shocking. Nobody who invents that much, like, like can't fuck. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. 
Sorry. He's going to find a way. He's yeah. going to find a way. And <laughs> it's true. By God, he did. And also, there are a lot of prostitutes in France. So I he's know, like, he hey. Of, he went to France for like months on end and then like helped bring an end to the Revolutionary War by getting their help. It's like, you mean to tell me he wasn't having sex? Yeah, Get he out was of like getting face. free BJs just walking down the street. Right. What else does he, what else, was, what else does he have to offer in exchange? <laughs> Electricity? <for> Come on. <laughs> A kite? Get out of my face. No, we like candles. France Have you met my fine. friend Lumiere? Yeah. He's the ambassador to America. <laughs> yeah. The Lumiere. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. There are consular. Consular? That's a difficult word. Consular. Con- yeah, consular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Consular? Consular. Like consulate. Yeah. Right. Consular. Yes. Consular officers whose primary job is assisting and protecting American citizens abroad. Amazing. Thank you for your service. Thank Thanks. You. If you lose your passport, find yourself in trouble with the law. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Lizzie will call the I'll consular officer. Knock, knock, ding, dong. I got in trouble. <laughs> it's really me. It's I can't really prove it because I don't have so my passport, sorry. but... <laughs> Me. Or if you want to get married to a foreigner overseas, you'll need the help of this officer. I've been watching 90 Day Fiance the other way. Where oh, there's to- it the other way? Oh my God. I that can't sounds like a, the enough. show that I need oh much my more God. than 90 Day Fiance. Treat okay, I will. 90 Day Fiance yeah. the other way. Report back to me. It <laughs> okay. is my passion, my life, <laughs> my heart, my soul. So, consular officers, they do a bunch of stuff to help people with their kind of everyday to day stuff. They issue visas to non-U.S. citizens who wish to travel, work, study, or live in the United States. Love. Thank you to our consular officers. Uh, All right. Notable diplomats. So we're going to start with Richard Clark Barkley. Heyo. These are so cherry-picked by me. Uh, Yeah. This is... (laughs) There's the beauty of having your own job. I love this. There's we, we're doing two. One I like for Arden and yeah. I. <laughs> so I'm talking about sweet Richard Clark Barkley. He was a foreign. He was a career foreign service officer and the last American ambassador assigned to communist East Germany before its fall in 1990s. Wow, the wall fell and so did his job. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> As Barclay offered aid to the dissolved Soviet Union's former residents, he saw how the people all came together to help one another in this time of chaos, quickly adjusting their lifestyles to conform to an entirely new non-communist societal structure. Oh, my God. Imagine being like, yeah, so, okay, so, like, you were doing this, but now now you actually get to go outside when you want to. Or, you know, and, like, you can do this and that. You can cross the wall and it's okay. A very gentle, seems like a gentle soul. Yeah. Sweet, sweet Barkley. The other notable diplomat that we're going to talk about is Shirley Temple. Let's fight about her. Shirley Temple Black. Shirley Temple Black. This is from history.com. In 1967, I had a whole moment last night when I was researching this because I grew up watching Shirley Temple. And then if you read about her diplomatic stuff and her political life, you're like, yeah, okay, I have to reconnoiter. I can't make them it's not cute cohesive yeah and she was so cute and she was so cute cute. and she was and like you love her because she's so easy to empathize with as a little kid and then as she grew up you're like i don't it doesn't fit so shirley temple black obviously shirley temple from shirley temple in 1967 she ran for congress them two different entities that's why i was like (laughs) like no that's cute shirley temple black Black, evil evil Her, now, her yeah. last name was Black. Yeah. Ran for Congress, running on a platform of support for the Vietnam War. So interesting. And she lost to a moderate Republican. <laughs> Remember she when- was too extreme. She was too extreme. She was too conservative. Surely. I mean, but being a child star probably fucked her up. Yeah. 
Like, the, like to me, I'm reading this. I'm like, of course she supported the Vietnam War. She's Shirley Temple. I just feel like you don't. It's rare when you get somebody who spent that much time in Hollywood who comes out on that side of it. Sure. Like, well, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like Hollywood for usually sure. makes but I, people I think it was like different more for liberal. Her. I think it's so different to be famous as a child and like have nowhere to go but down. Right. Like mm. I'm not surprised she ended up doing politics. Her diplomatic career began in 1969 when Richard Nixon named her as a delegate to the United Nations. Sure. She and has in international the, fame. I get she it. Is, she, I get her. I get using her. Right. If she wasn't a nightmare. If she wasn't a nightmare. <laughs> and in that post of the United Nations, she spoke on environmental problems and the plight of refugees, which also you're just like, I don't understand. Like, it's hard. looking back on this. I was like, is this just a product of the era we're in where I cannot reconcile being pro Vietnam War mm -hmm. with arguing for the plight of refugees and the environment? It's the like. Slide of the Republican Party, right? Yeah, it, like just farther and farther. Right, they used right. to be quite moderate, right? Like, you, you used to be able to have Republican friends and not like you know storm out in a <laughs> in a, in <laughs> in a, a after after being right repeatedly in front yeah. of them, right? right. Yeah. And then in 1974, Gerald Ford named Temple Black Shirley Temple Black as ambassador to Ghana, huh? <laughs> to the dismay of some career diplomats <laughs> who considered her unqualified. Well, sure, but also Ghana. Why? Um, <laughs> I think we had just, I was reading about Ghana yesterday, that we had just established relations with them in like 1957, and I don't think right. we had an officer until 64, so right. she might have even been the first, first right. or second. But yeah, it's like, yeah. why would we send her to Ghana? Yeah. You know, like again, sending somebody to Ghana for sure, but Shirley right. Temple Black? Curious. 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 But she got positive reviews, however, from oh. the State Department officials and served in that post until 76. Gerald Ford later named her to another diplomatic post the chief of protocol. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Seems uh, like they made it up. <laughs> like, oh, what can we do with Shirley Temple Black? This uh, isn't going well for you. Let's put you over a chief of protocol. <laughs> <laughs> and then in 1989, she became George H.W. Bush's ambassador to Czechoslovakia. She served four years in that post against the downfall of communism in Eastern Europe and earned praise for her performance by none other than Henry Kissinger. Oh, dear. <laughs> who called her very intelligent, very tough-minded, and very disciplined. I don't want to be called anything by Henry Kissinger. <laughs> I Seems just very stressful. Read that and I'm like, I'm on the good ship lollipop. Like I just I know. It really doesn't compute. It really doesn't compute. I love it. Yep. I love it. Yep. Okay, let's end on some fun facts. I love fun, fun facts. facts. Fun facts and facts and facts. So all my fun facts are coming from our trusted source at Business Insider because I love this website. It's a very helpful website. You should always visit it. So first fun fact, about 7 million visas are granted by US embassies around the world each year. That's a lot. How many? Seven million. That's a lot. Yeah. The United States has diplomatic relations with 180 countries. The current, as of when this article was written, and I can't find the year, but assuming, oh, 2018. Current diplomatic missions are 265. That's a lot. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, six U.S. presidents have served as foreign ministers. John Adams to the United Kingdom and Never Netherlands. William Henry Harrison to Colombia. <laughs> Whoa. James Monroe to France and the United Kingdom. John Quincy Adams to the United Kingdom, Netherlands, Russia, and Germany. Thomas Jefferson, France. And Martin Van Buren to the United Kingdom. All right, a lot of United Kingdoms over here. Somebody do something, you know, 
They were once the world's great hedge of money. I know. Five nations don't have U.S. ambassadorial exchanges, although I think one of these is different now. So Bhutan, Cuba, I think might be the one that's different. Iran, North Korea, and the Republic of China, a.k.a. Taiwan, because it's not recognized mm, yeah. as a country. Yeah. The publicly listed State Department salary, salary, salary for senior positions is between 130000 to 160000 a year. That's I could make that work. I could. I would love that. If all of your stuff is paid for, like if your travel and your meals and everything else is paid for, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. here we go. This is, we're going to love this one. The youngest American to lead a diplomatic mission was, guess what age? 20. No. 22. 24-year-old ah. Edward Rumsey Wing, who became minister to Ecuador in 1869. 24 years old. Wow. Going to Ecuador. But in 1864 years, he's like 50. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Probably, oh, yeah. probably took like three years together. He probably died really. in Ecuador. <laughs> From the scurvy he caught along the way. <laughs> okay. Oh, this this is a this is a sad but kind of funny fun fact. The shortest term served by an American ambassador was approximately 16 days. In 1976, Ambassador Francis E. Malloy Jr. was assassinated en route to presenting his credentials to the president of Lebanon. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> Ew. By whom? Did this, does it say? It does not say who wow. assassinated him. I am assuming somebody in Lebanon. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> like a bold theory. Oh, God. Traffic fines Egyptian diplomats owed New York City as of 2007, 1.9 million. Oh, my God. Could in we, traffic fines? What are the Egyptians best. doing? But I feel like that's all. Is part of that parking? Maybe. I, I, I have to imagine it is. I feel like let's collect. Yeah. Um, and let's give it to the Yeah, the you guys have like riches system. of pharaohs, literally. Like right. you have it. You have it. That's I, I think so it's funny. utterly ridiculous that they like the parking thing is so weird. Why do you get parking privileges? I don't know. I, well, I think it's a, like the broader uh there is no legal, you know, framework for prosecuting you for anything. So right, right, parking right. is just like the main perk that you, right. I mean, I think it's like considered gauche. As a diplomat, to like to to take advantage of it and park anywhere, but yeah, it, some of them will do it. Some they're in a bind. They're in a bind. Yeah. Yeah. The number of times American diplomats have claimed immunity, it is unknown because the State Department refuses to release that information. Keep hmm. it secret. Keep it safe. Don't Whoa. tell how much we implement diplomatic immunity. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. We'll end with this fun fact because it kind of ties into all of this. It's a personal <laughs> fun fact, which is. In London. So Texas used to be a country before it became a state. And it had an embassy in London when it was a country. And when you go to London, there's a plaque that like is like, this is where the Texas embassy was back when we it was a country and it had one. And then like down the street, I think it might not be closed, but when I was in London, it was open. It is the uh, Texas embassy cantina restaurant. Cute. Uh, which I love. I think that is brilliant. Yeah, totally. I hope it's still uh, open. I hope it's still open too. I was trying to look it up, but I think it might be closed, which makes me so sad. I hope it reopens. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, for idea. a long time, the Texas Embassy Cantina, just right down the road from the spot of the original Texas Embassy, really Texas hit Embassy the Cantina. nail on the head. But that is fun facts. And that is our episode. 
That's the episode. We did it. Um, Guys, we love you. We love you, Katie. Where can we, your new album is called Hard Pass. It's called Hard Pass. It's on everything. It's on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, and what's the last one? You know, some others. Then Any platform. other platform. If you go to my Twitter, I'm, I'm at Katie Kampa on all social media and K-A-T-I-E-C-O-M-P-A and uh, there are links on my social media they're pretty awesome. easy to find so. we love cool. yeah. well guys we love you so much if you like what you heard you can find us u.s. on twitter and instagram at let's get civical you can also rate us you can review us and you can hashtag subscribe to us we love you so so much and we will see you next wednesday bye, bye.